Hi everyone, I'm Paola Diana and this is Unleashed the Game Changers. Today our guest is a real game changer, of course. We have a TV producer, head of LGB Alliance, Malcolm Clark. Thank you, Malcolm, for being here with us it's today. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's wonderful to have you here, and it's been a while that I tried to have you as a guest. <laughs> I tried to avoid it. I tried to evade you, but I couldn't. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> I really would like you to tell your point of view to our public about what it is being a gay man today, confronting the problematics about gender ideology, because I know there is a certain clash between gender ideology and homosexuality. Not everyone gets that there is a clash, so I would like you to try to explain to us a little bit more. Okay, um, potted history. If you imagine um, 50 years ago, it was a crime to be homosexual in, in Britain, or a little bit more than 50 years ago. And we then, gay men and, and lesbians, fought for our rights over a long period. You know, it went up and down, up and down. And then finally, <clears throat> we got our rights, we've got equality, we can do everything that everybody else can do. And everyone thought, great. And all the activists and the people who'd struggled sort of went home and thought, right, let's get on with our lives, let's have kids, let's, you know, go on holiday, let's garden, have dogs, whatever. Let's get married. Uh, yeah, let's get married and just enjoy our lives. And then a funny thing happened, which was that the gay movement sort of obviously got much smaller, but it needed to find something else to justify itself. <clears throat> needed to justify why it was raising money and having big parties and celebrities and how it could be, you know, on the news agenda. Because how can you do that if you've achieved everything that you've done? And um, what it seems to have decided, fastened on, was the idea of gender identity. Um, there was a quite separate movement all along that journey of gay people trying to get their rights, there was a different, smaller movement, trans people, who believed that they were born in their own body mm. and they had an inner gender identity. And this is a very different idea from being homosexual because homosexuals don't have yeah. a, a hidden identity inside. They don't say, I'm not what I appear to be. They say, this is what I am. Whereas, you love your body. Yeah, most of the time, yeah. <laughs> like everybody, yeah. yeah. And um, and so it's a very different idea. And so gay people wished trans people well and vice versa, but it was two very different movements. And, and the two movements, you know, the big triumphs in Britain were um, the Equality Act in 2010, um, the Gender Recognition Act in 2004. These are two big acts, one for the trans people, one for both trans people and um, gay people, the Equality Act, and those were two great triumphs that were achieved by two completely separate movements. So it shows you that two, they, they don't, the LGB and the T don't have to be together to achieve change. Uh, but then in 2014, around about 2014, this, the gay movement, which needed to find something else to do, decided it would unite with the trans um, organizations and the, the uh, trans community and they would become not the LGB but the LGBT or the LGBTQ or the LGBTQ plus yeah. the acronym keeps changing and I and, and we and at first nobody thought it was a big deal um, but then suddenly you realize of course that the, the trans part were pushing 
the, the movement. They were driving most of the agenda. Um, or gay people who believed in gender identity were, were, were driving the agenda. And we then began to realize, of course, it was very harmful to gay people. Because if you're a young person growing up in a school, and you're, say, 12, 13, or 14, and you're a girl, and you're a little bit butch, a tomboy. It doesn't mean to say you're a lesbian, but a big proportion might be. Um, I mean, I've got loads of straight uh, female friends who were tomboys when of they course. were 13 and 14. But but a lot of them will be will be gay, and uh, maybe the majority. And uh, and equally, if you're a, 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 a sensitive boy, 12, 13, 14, and you might not quite know your sexuality, and maybe you're just a little bit on the camp side or effeminate side, sensitive, they might say, um, you're now being told that you might be born in the wrong body. Mm. And this, so in a funny way, we've come the whole circle where we got our rights, and now young lesbian and gay people are being you know, told that not that they may be gay, but that they may be trans. Mm. Um, and so I think that's, that's the main reason why suddenly a lot of gay people, me included, a lot of lesbians um, decided they had, to, they had to come back out of retirement of and, and do something about it. And it's why two lesbians in particular, Bev Jackson and Kate Harris, set up the, the, the incredible first, women and yeah, activists. brilliant. Um, two organi—they decided to set up the organisation LGB Alliance, which is now the only organisation, only charity in Britain, which exclusively focuses on the rights of of lesbians and gays. Yes. Which is astonishing when you think about it. There used to be hundreds of organisations that focused on gay people. Now they're all LGBT plus or LGBTQ plus. We're the only ones that say we do nothing else but look after lesbians, gays, and bisexuals. But by doing that, that's considered heresy now. I know. The, you, you received a lot of hatred and bullism, right? Yeah, well, because it's breaking the fundamental dogma of the entire LGBT movement, which is that somehow sexual orientation and gender identity are linked in some way and you must only talk about the two in the same breath and you must campaign for both together even although campaigning for gender identity mm. actually conflicts with campaigning for sexual orientation exactly. or can do exactly because logically biological sex and gender are the opposite one yes one, in, one, or, if you want to replace biological yes. sex with gender you're going to erase biological well, the, sex, the, the, basically. This is what they want, right? Well, uh, help it's me. possible. Well, it's possible. Gender is something that's socially constructed. It tends to be quite vague and changeable. Biological sex is neither of those things. It's fixed. It doesn't change. So if you want to sort of prioritize the social thing, the gender or gender identity, but even just gender, you're replacing something that everybody understands. Every human being has always understood for millennia, for over 100,000 years, what sex people are. Yeah. You're replacing that with something that people are not really sure about, that's redefined, that's constantly being changed. And that sort of takes people away from the fixed moorings that they had. And 
I, I think is quite a dangerous thing to do. For, for gay people, it's, it has a very specific problem, which is if you say that people, instead of being same-sex attracted, so I'm attracted to the same sex, yeah. if instead of, of being attracted to the same sex, you say they're attracted to the same gender, and gender is vague, it can change, and you know it, it doesn't mean biological sex, then what you're really saying is that a homosexual man, if you say he's, he's attracted to the same gender, well, some women say they're men, some men say they're women, and that means that you're really saying a homosexual man can be attracted to either a man or a woman. Of course. And that, that, well, that, it makes that no completely sense. erases the meaning of homosexuality. Exactly. So it erases uh, homosexuality. Completely. But it also, I mean, obviously, as a minority, it, it, it feels more oppressive, if you like, to do that to us. But it erases heterosexuality, too. So w women are told, straight women are told that they should consider trans men as partners. Well, trans men are biological females that now decide that they're men and women are not, heterosexual women are not attracted to, to other women. So why would they consider sleeping with a trans man? Ditto with heterosexual men. They're now being told that they should, they're bigoted if they don't consider trans woman in their dating pool. That's terrible. Well, that's ludicrous. I mean, gay men have learned not to, not yeah. to say to straight men, you should be, you should be attracted to us. Exactly. Because straight men say, well, we're not attracted to men. So exactly. well, why would they suddenly be attracted to a guy who says he's a woman? Exactly. It's ludicrous. It is, uh, from one side. From the other one, it's very dangerous and it's scary because you can see the imposition of this movement, yes. right? It's very authoritarian. Yes. They want to impose their point of view their religion, because it yep. looks like a religion, on us. And we don't believe in that religion. And we want to be free, not to believe in their yes, religion. Yes. They want to impose that on us. I think the problem was, this was not what the trans movement did for a long time. It was only when together, the, 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 the sort of slightly, you know, desperate, remnants of the gay movement who were desperate to try and think of things to do and causes to champion got together with what was left of the trans movement and they came together and they became quite authoritarian. I mean, trans people got their rights by convincing people, persuading people, yeah. discussing, getting sympathy, and that was a good way to Absolutely. move on, right? But yeah. then when that was done, because the, the, the demands they were making were so ludicrous, for example, that, that people who weren't attracted to them had to include them, otherwise they were bigots. Because those demands were so ridiculous, then the, the attempts to bully people into accepting it came. And then people had to use the pronouns, otherwise they were bigots. And they had to include them in their dating pool or they were bigots. And you, you had to agree if you saw somebody like Caitlyn Jenner uh, and Caitlyn Jenner wins Woman of the Year. You had to applaud that. If you didn't applaud, applaud that, then that was somehow bigoted. And it just became one more demand after another. And now I think the average person feels, wait a minute, I'm being told to do too much. Yeah, way too much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the average person doesn't really believe in gender ideology, I'm afraid. I think it's a very small minority. Definitely coming particularly from the US I'm, or Canada. I'm not sure it, I'm actually, I'm writing a piece at the moment. 
any idea is only successful, and this has been a very successful idea, okay, with a lot of bullying, but nonetheless, it mm -hmm. has been a very successful idea, can only be successful if it manages to sort of tick a box in the culture. And actually... Misogyny. Yes, no, absolutely. But <laughs> and homophobia. I, I, but I think, I see, I think, yes, all of those two. But I also think it ticks the box that says choice. So in America in particular, where everything's about freedom and everything's about choice and everything's about be your own self and be your best self and all that stuff, then, the, for example, Caitlyn Jenner, who's a Republican and who's on the right, actually ticks that box. Okay, people may not think Bruce is really a woman, but... They, uh, most Americans think, well, hey, who cares if he wants to if he wants to dress up like a woman? He says he's a woman, and he gets his surgery done. Who am I to stop him? And so there is a current in the culture, which is the sort of be who you want to be. Such a good point. You're right. And, and and that is more on the right. I mean, the left has always been a bit wary of ch too much choice and, and the left tends to, the left is the bullying part of this agenda it likes telling people what to do when to do it you must use the language and but and that's but that's and that's part of why the idea has been so successful but on the right is that sort of let everyone be who they want to be and so, so it ticks two sides and that's why it's been so I'm powerful. I understand what you mean, but I think it started from this uh, uh, extreme individualism, but definitely yes. now uh, yes. the right understood it's going to destroy uh, the society, basically. It's going to yes. destroy families. Yes. Because this is what's happening, because well, it, social contagion has, has taken yes. the young ones, particularly young girls. Yeah and they're destroying families. I saw some videos that are heartbreaking. A poor oh, father yeah. Uh, yeah. mistreated by the son in a way that really uh, it makes you think, how can it be possible all this hatred uh, in the name of what? Yeah. In the name of freedom to do what yeah. you want and destroy yourself. Yeah. I think in, certainly in America, less so maybe in Britain, but America that everything is binary in terms of the culture, you know, the right versus the left and Trump versus Biden and so everything there becomes very yeah. polar and so in America it has tended to be the very woke very liberal left versus the the, the more authoritarian or or traditional I would say more traditional family values right that has stood up and opposed it but uh, it was what you were saying about the majority of people don't believe I, the majority of people don't believe when they see a trans woman, most trans women are, they they understand are men. But they get even that. even trans men, they think they're uh, they're girls <laughs> who are dressing like men. Of course, yeah. so you are we're trying to be be masculine as much yeah. as they can. Yeah. But I, I so far I never heard anyone thinking they're men. I don't know. There's there's a couple of um, there's a model Ashley. Will come back to me. I can't remember mm. his her name was born a woman, took all the drugs, got the operations, I think got the phalloplasty, I, I think. Very convincing looking man. It's actually, as yeah, men, trans men are much more convincing than mm. trans women because there's a lot of quite feminine, good looking, real guys. Mm. Um, and actually that whole sort of young, androgynous look is very fashionable, always has been in pop culture. You know, there's sort of a little bit feminine, young, but a guy. 
And so it's quite easy for girls. That's why I think one of the reasons why so many girls are attracted to this, it's not just all the things that we know about, you know, girls having body issues and sexualization, that plays a part, but it's also that it's much more doable. If you're a girl who's 16, 17, 18, you could imagine if you take the testosterone and you get your breast cut off, you could pass quite convincingly yeah. as a boy. I understand now, what obviously you... not biologically. Yeah, you know, yeah. But I, I understand what you mean. You're talking about passing, but I, I wasn't talking about passing. I, mm. I, I'm talking about what people really believe. Like the, the average yes. person doesn't believe that they are men. No. No, 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 no. They can believe they, they are good looking, sure. <laughs> if they are. Oh, yeah. but it's oh, just they, that sometimes you They look masculine, you, definitely. Yeah, sometimes you look and you think, oh, I'm not quite sure with trans men. Yeah, Once most trans men start to speak, you think, oh, that's not quite the, the voice. But, but also, I don't understand why they want to cover up their origins, their story. Because again, if they have nothing to hide, there's nothing wrong with the movement, their ideology, if they believe in what you're doing and for me they're free to do that as long as they don't harm any other person particularly yeah. mm. particularly if we don't harm children and that's another thing sure. we should talk about i don't understand why they want to completely erase their past because uh, some people i remember i had discussions uh, with them yeah. they even don't want the census to focus on sex anymore yeah, yeah. they only want to ask a gender instead of asking which is your biological sex that means covering up yeah your, your, I think your that, reality. I think that, yes, I think there's a divide. I think there Why? are, uh, Ashley, whoever, uh, the name will come back to me, the, the, the quite successful model who was a girl is mm. now a man, trans man. Um, she, he has never covered up the fact of his origins. Uh, and I think there's, there's a, a large group of trans people who don't see that as particularly important. For some reason, it got the movement got fixated on all this dead naming, you know, where you must never use my original name. Oh, yeah, yeah, you don't get the sense that Caitlyn Jenner is going to, yeah. to jump off a building because somebody reminded Caitlyn that she used to be Bruce. I mean, Bruce, he, he, everyone knows he was yeah. originally Bruce and he's completely fine. Oh, she's and completely he was very fine successful. And yeah. uh, so, I, I, so I don't know why it became such a huge demand of the movement. And I, I agree with you. I think it, it's counterproductive and it makes people uh, unnerved. Because if you knew, some, you know, somebody comes into the office, they were Fred. Now they're Fredina. You're like, well, I knew you as Fred. What's the big? I mean, well, I'm not, now never to call you Fred again. Otherwise, I'll get, lose my job. I mean, that's ludicrous. And it's so, like cancelling reality, cancelling yes, history, yes, cancelling yeah. uh, your identity. And it's very counterproductive. I actually think the majority of ordinary trans people in that situation where you mm. work somewhere, and then you go in the next day, hello, I'm now a girl. I think in most situations, it would only work if everybody is able to talk about it freely and openly. Exactly. But it has become a political demand of the lobby group. And I think that's something that we've always got to remember, that there's ordinary, everyday trans people living their lives, and then there's this lobby group, mm. or this lobby, lobby groups who claim, <coughs> who claim to speak on their behalf. And of course, we know there's a disconnect between ordinary people and these paid lavishly funded lobby organizations who have to justify their existence and they mm. need to if all the demands of the trans lobby or the lgbtq lobby were to be met tomorrow if we said here you can do here's everything you asked for 
Well, they're not going to close down. They're going to come up with a whole bunch of new demands because they, they need the demands to campaign, to ask for things, to, com to complain, to, to, you know, to, to raise funds. So that's why I keep saying to people, I, I, we, said, we argued this in Scotland with the gender recognition reform. I said, it may, it's very tempting for the Labour Party and the other parties up there to just go along with the gender recognition reform. Phew, that'll be it over. It won't be because next year there'll be another demand. This right. is a lobby that has to come up with demands. And every time you give them what they wanted, of course, they have to go even further and the demand has to be even stranger. Uh, and that's the problem. It's such an important point. Thank you, Michael, for <laughs> saying this. Yeah, I, I never thought about that, yeah. but it's completely true. And also what you're um, pointing out is that we should follow the money and see yes. where this money comes from. And, and the fact that there is a huge industry behind that, the big pharma, creating yep. gender clinics, uh, selling cross-sex hormones. There's a lot the of surgery, money being made yep. in the surgery. In America in particular, the surgery. Yep. Obviously, it's slightly different over here because we have a National Health Service. And, you know, that's one of the good things about the National Health Service is there is stricter regulation and less promotion possible within the NHS than there is in America. So for example, I've watched videos where gender, gender affirmation it's now called, it used to be called sex change surgery, now it's gender affirmation surgery. Mm -hmm. These surgeons do these videos where they, they, they explain how they can sort of do this or do that and you get your insurance, but if the insurance won't pay for it, I can do a discount. I mean, you could never get that over here. It's an uh, industry. It's, it's a huge, well, the whole of American health is just a vast industry, very commercialized, and it's based on individual choice. And so if people want to have their breasts cut off, have their genitals cut off, then that's a money-making opportunity. Whereas here, the, the really isn't, it's not a money-making opportunity yeah. for surgeons or clinics in the yeah. same way. But unfortunately, we are getting <coughs> this uh, ideology from the US sure, and it's yeah. very pervasive, yeah. very pervasive. And we have to be careful for our children, because if an adult decides to change his body, fine. You know, it's your choice. You yeah. want to do some damage. It's OK. But what about children? Yeah. I think we are failing children. And I think yeah. in history, this will go down as a huge medical scandal. Yeah. I mean, I think there, there are overlapping problems that are very hard to deal with because the technology is happening so quickly so there probably would be huge mental health issues even if there was nothing to do with gender identity in this particular generation because of their access to social media yeah. the constant flow of information the internet the peer pressure lockdowns I mean, as well. well yeah lockdowns but the um you know 10 years ago 15 years ago, there were problems with girls. There was huge amounts of cutting and self-harming and bulimia. You don't hear about that so much now. The research hasn't been done. It's just a hunch, uh, and it's one that's shared by many others, that, that a lot of those problems have just sort of pivoted to be called gender identity. Yes. But it's similar issues, you know, body harm, low self-esteem, sexual anxiety and that used to express itself with cutting bulimia and all the rest now it's been given this new progressive 
sort of expression, mm. gender identity. The difference is that in the past, if a girl had bulimia, the doctor didn't say, oh, great, well done. Congrats. You know, well, you know like, uh, you're a brave, bold individual. That's what they do now with gender identity. It is scary what's happening. Very scary. And I think it's a self-harm movement Absolutely. for children. Yep and for young adults. So that's yeah. why we should help them. And having compassion and being kind means help them understanding yeah. that they might have uh, uh, been victims of sexual abuse before. That's why yeah. they hate their genitalia. They might mm. have been sexualized, objectified. Yeah. They might uh, be depressed, autistic. Yeah. And we all know that an autistic person tends to see the world in black and white. Yeah. And they have extreme views and yeah. they, they have difficulties in changing their mind as well. And also, we need to be able, without it feeling like we're promoting lesbian and gay stuff, but we have to be able to reach butch 12, 13, 14 year old girls to say, great, you can be a butch tomboy girl. You don't have to be this sort of sexualized stereotype that, that porn and, and you know, the constant sort of body image that you're getting taught you know through social media that's that i think girls feel trapped in they either perform sexually and sort of uh, i mean it, not actually have sex but they have to perform to look great and get boys attention yes. or they have to be trans whereas there has to be some space for, for girls to not be sexualized but be confident and be affirmed in what they are absolutely that's why it's good that we talk about that. Yes, yes. It's very important. And I hope some people will listen to our conversations and will start to interrogate themselves. We'll start researching. Yeah. Because I did a lot of research, and you are head of research of LGB Alliance, <laughs> so you definitely do much more research than me and than anyone else. But it's important, right, to, to be informed, to read. Uh, there are many psychotherapists now that they started affirming uh, yeah. gender ideology, and now they say, we have gone too far. Absolutely. Many I mean, I think we've done a lot of work with David Bell, who, uh, Dr. David Bell, who was at the Tavistock, who was one of the first people to speak out at the Tavistock Clinic saying there was a, there was a real problem here. And it was him who, who pointed out that loads of 12, 13, 14 year old kids who probably, not always, but probably were either lesbian or gay and I mean, everyone just assumes that in this day and age, there's no homophobia. So if you're a 14 year old kid and you think you're a, a gay boy or you're a 14 year old girl and you're a lesbian, you would think, because we've all got equal rights, there would be no pressure. But he discovered and other people then discovered and this latest book about the Tavistock has confirmed that loads of parents had real problems about having a lesbian, apparently lesbian teenager, or they didn't like the fact that their son was gay. And, and so there's a residue of that homophobia that then a lot of the parents really did want to have, or preferred to have yes. a trans boy rather than a lesbian girl. And that's terrible, Malcolm. You're so right. Yeah, yeah. And also there is a problem of internalized homophobia and of internalized course. misogyny. I think uh, a vast number of these young girls who think that suddenly they're men, yeah. they're actually victims of internalized misogyny without even knowing that. Of course they are. Yes, absolutely. 
and yeah, it breaks I mean, my heart. Yeah. It breaks my heart. As a women's rights defender, it breaks yeah. my heart because yeah. we are failing these girls. Yeah. They could know that they can be strong, bold, masculine as they wish yeah. without doing surgery, without yeah. pretending to be anyone else, just yeah. loving their body. Yeah. You want to dress up like an army guy, do it. Yes, you want to exactly. lift weight, do it. Yeah. You want to do martial arts, do, martial do it. Arts. I was yeah. just going to say, yeah. <laughs> just go, ass. fight. <laughs> yes. Do yeah, whatever you want, yeah. you know, but uh, you are still a woman, you're born as a woman, be proud of who you are. I think one of the problems is that we forget mm. that, you know, if we have to get ourselves inside the head of a 12 or 13 or 14 year old girl, and I've always, th I, you know, I've, I've thought about this and I think that if I had been a 13 or 14 year old girl now, I'd look at the fantastic time that boys have. And it was the tr it was true in my generation, you know. Mm. Guys got to kick balls around, and they had more freedom. And mum and dad didn't say, "Where are you? Where are you yeah. going? Were yeah. you check out?" And, you know, boys just get, the, boys have so much less pressure. Uh, of course, now there's pressure to look good and you know moisturize, whatever it is that boys have to do now that we didn't have to do. But there's still much less pressure. There's much less control. They've got so much more freedom. And that cannot help but attract girls who think, God, it would be great to be a guy. And they may not think, they, they, as you said, they don't realize that that's based on a sort of patriarchy and misogyny and all that other stuff. But, but it's only by recognizing that that's what is attracting these girls, the greater freedom. Yes that um, we can help them realize and create a situation where they can have all that freedom without taking testosterone, which is an absolutely it's awful thing to take. It's harmful, and yeah. uh, we don't know what will happen to them in 30, 40, 50 years old. No. Uh, we know that uh, we have enough problems uh, getting older <laughs> yeah. without taking hormones <laughs> exactly. and yeah. all other stuff. And the wrong hormone exactly. for your body. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that doesn't get talked about enough, and I, I, I've talked to a lot of detransitioners, my, my, yeah. my friends who are what's called detransitioners, who, you know, who, who, who transitioned, my friend Sinead, who had her breast removed and took testosterone for years and her voice has changed and everything now, but then she realized she'd made a mistake. But it, Sinead did a crash course for me on the impact of these hormones. And the thing that's not talked about enough is testosterone is a very powerful mood enhancer. So. You know, I've known lots of bodybuilders in my time and they love their testosterone inject and they're in the gym and they're doing much better and they have more energy, except they have more aggression as well. But, but it's a very addictive drug and it's quite hard to come off. So, you know, b bodybuilders will tell you that, you know, I'm just going on testosterone for three months and then I'm coming off for the next year. And then you meet them in six months time. Oh, I'm still on the testosterone mm -hmm. because they want to keep putting on the muscle yes. and it rips them and they feel physically better. And so if it's happening, OK, the, the bodybuilders are taking bigger doses. But if it's doing that to guys who are bodybuilders, it's definitely having similar impacts on the psychology of these girls. Of course. And also it helps you losing weight. That is another obsession of yes. our century, yep. particularly for women. Yes. We have to be skinny. We have to be thin. Yes. Uh, yep. Fat it look, it is like yes. uh, the biggest enemy. 
Yes. I'm not talking about uh, you know, uh, promoting obesity, of course not, but there must be a normal way yeah. of being, <laughs> accepting yeah. your body. Although we live in a culture where you know, drugs, pharmaceuticals are the answer to everything. So I saw that you know, there's, a, there's a, a recent trial uh, just reported a couple of weeks ago where a new drug is going to be, if you take these injections, they'll deal with your obesity and they're talking about giving loads of obese people this injection. I think, well, get up and exercise. I mean, what, I mean that can't be the answer to give people injections for ob obesity because what it does is create the culture you're talking about where girls, boys think it's natural just to take an injection of testosterone and then they feel better and then they don't want to give it up. That's a very good point. So do you think that detransitions can, can really detransition? Um, I think more and more I think detransitioners wonder whether that term is appropriate because what it suggests is you went from A to B but you can't go back to A again because well, in the, I mean, Sinead, uh, I'm sure, would be happy for me saying it, but she said it herself many a times. She has male pattern baldness, um, so, you know, she's lost a lot of hair. It's, she stopped the testosterone, the hair hasn't come back. She's hopeful that maybe one day the hair will start to grow again. But her voice hasn't gone back because when you take the testosterone, you develop an Adam's apple and everything yeah, thickens. the voice doesn't come back. It doesn't come back. So what does it mean to say you detransition? What she has done and other um, people who transitioned are saying, I'm a biological female. I was a biological female. I was never anything else. But the idea of detransition suggests that somehow you can go back it's harder even I think um, for men for men because you know Richie Heron has talked about it at the LGB Alliance conference last year he talked about it he still takes estrogen Why? the female hormone because if you not to go into too much detail but you know if you've had a neo-vagina created um, which is what Richie did he, he had a, uh, you know, he was uh, castrated and his penis cut off, and then a, a vagina created, um, vagina in inverted commas. Mm. Um, but if you if you then pump estrogen, if you stop taking the estrogen, hair grows everywhere. So if you, so you last thing you want, even inside. Yes, because of course to create a neo vagina, you take the male so genitals and you turn it inside out so the, and, and they they try to remove all the hair follicles but it's quite a hard job to do uh, so once you once you stop taking the estrogen everything comes back and you know it must it's, be not a nightmare. it's a nightmare total nightmare you get infections painful painful i mean richie's in pain anyway even with the estrogen so is it is it it's heartbreaking is it, is it fair to have a sort of expectation because exactly. some people say oh i can't believe that richie's still taking estrogen but but if you've done if you've gone through a process the most important thing is to recognize reality and in the case of those two wonderful people they now accept acknowledge their biological reality but they can't undo what happened to them and Malcolm, did the surgeons explain to them in clear detail? Well, in both of those cases, absolutely not, no. The, the risks were not explained. So this is a medical scandal? 
So they weren't prepared. They were young. How old were they? Well, they, they were both in their early 20s. Yeah, but so, still very so young. Yeah, well, absolutely. And absolutely. our brain doesn't develop until we're 25. And both, both are very open about the psychiatric issues that they had. Yeah. So in both cases, in Richie's case, he's talked about how um, he, he alerted the doctors to the psychiatric issues and they were not at all interested. And they suggested that all his psychiatric issues as far as I understand, all his psychiatric issues would be solved if he went through transition. Of course. You're the, if Magic. I remember the phrase, no. you're the path candidate for transition, was what they said to Richie. Um, and in the case of, of Sinead, she had some psychiatric issues too, and they, they, they weren't interested. I think it was two sessions with a psychotherapist they gave her, and then that was it. Signed off, here's a testosterone, go and change your life. I mean, it's ludicrous. How can these doctors sleep at night? I really don't know. No, I have no idea. And and there's more and more of these doctors. I mean, this is a sector, even in, England, in Britain, which is growing and growing, new clinics opening up. And and I think the government has just agreed there's going to be a centre of so-called excellence in the, the gender sort of area in Britain, where they're going to do phalloplasty, where you create, the, you know, the fake penis for but girls. But it's not even functioning. It's... it's, it's it's what it in is no, in no reasonable medical facility would you do phalloplasty. It has a terrible um, outcome. It has such high failure rates. It, it's absolutely absurd. And I, I, I think the, the, the government's made a big mistake in, in, in agreeing to that. It's in so America, sad. of course, you know, you'll get whatever you pay for. So, yeah, so it's there was a billion a, dollar industry. <clears throat> yeah, there was, I think, a front cover mm. of the New Yorker magazine with the trans man who said, I wanted the biggest penis I could get. And, and I mean, that's, that's a sort of fetish. That's a sort of strange, warped fetish where a woman wants to create the biggest possible penis for herself. Well, it's a flap of skin from your arm. Yeah. I mean, it's absurd. And we're doing, I mean, and we're advocating that for, for girls. Malcolm, uh, it's really heartbreaking. But tell me a little bit more about what other gay men think. Because I think all it's your friends, yeah. what yeah. are they thinking about this? Uh... Three years ago, um, when, when LGB Alliance was founded, three and a half almost, um, I would say 95% of gay men and actually 90% or 80% of lesbians thought they, we were mad and they had not recognised the problem and they thought we were bigots. Um, uh, you and the LGB Alliance founders, you mean? Yes. Okay, yes. and gender critical. So, so all the, uh, yeah. most of our friends, I would say, thought, uh, disagreed with us. So it was very difficult for yeah, you? Yeah. And I lost a few friends. Uh, some people still don't talk to me, and um, but that's that's fine because, like most friends, you, you know you can have friends. If you've had friends for twenty or thirty years, you know their faults, and sometimes they they can be a bit stupid or they can believe ridiculous things, and so you go along with them and you don't argue with them because you just think, oh god, not yeah. that idea again. Yeah. Um, you know, I had loads of friends who voted for Jeremy Corbyn. I had to stop talking about Jeremy Corbyn or they would never have talked to me again. Now, of course, it's like they never, never voted for Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> 
And in 10 years' time, it will be the same that all these gay friends of mine will say, oh, did, I, did I not talk to you? Or was I in agreement with gender identity? I don't remember that. <laughs> of course they were. Huh? And, um, but, now, but three years later, it's very different. There's a lot more. I mean, particularly gay men have begun to get it. And of course, the political arguments, one of the things that, that we did as an organisation, LGB Alliance, um, the reason we went up to Scotland to campaign against the gender recognition reform in January 2020, so that's just over three yeah, years ago, that was our first big public meeting. And our campaign was press pause. We didn't say we were against the gender recognition reform bill, which of course we were. We said, look, it needs to be discussed properly. <coughs> that was a campaign, press pause. And our argument was we need to give, we just need to slow this um, huge vehicle down just enough to let the public see what's happening and that the public who were not hearing any anything about all this nonsense, okay. They needed to just hear a little bit about it and get interested, and then it would be okay. Now, we didn't, we, we placed adverts, we had discussions, and yes, the public began to pay attention. The huge joke, of course, is that the Scottish government still pushed it through three years later in December, but then, of course, the disaster happened of this rapist, this double rapist going in, but which it, we had warned about. Yeah, it was written. It was already yes. written that it would have happened. You, yeah, <laughs> but, but nobody could have predicted it would happen three weeks after the bill. I mean, that's just... I mean, of that's course. spooky. Of you course, know? you open a loophole and yeah. uh, all the violent men, rapists, pedophiles of this yes. world will use the loophole but to just have a better time in prison. Well, I mean, how with the praise you, you want to, to abuse. Yeah, I mean, that's fantastic. It's a fist, right? How that's naive do you have yeah. to be to think that that wouldn't happen? Very naive. But, but I had an argument online with, with mm. one of the people who worked, who worked for a a Scottish SNP MP and, and I said to, to him online I said so are you telling me that if if I see a big-looking bloke with a beard go into a woman's changing room I've not to say anything I've just to assume that this person is a trans woman he said yes you've got to assume they're just using the facility like any other woman <laughs> said, you're insane <laughs> It's just, it's just, I mean, I was, you can't, sometimes you can't believe, yeah. that's, they, yeah. they got themselves, they wriggled and wriggled and wriggled to try and yeah. beat our arguments, but then they argued themselves into a complete cool yeah. disaster, but also yes. it makes me laugh because they're very kind uh, with the no. people who think like them, but they're very unkind with women, <laughs> they oh, think absolutely. it's absolutely fine to be horrible with women. Yes, of course, it was a gay man, of course, who was <laughs> arguing this, kind. yeah. It's crazy. They're there never was, kind with women. There was something oh, today, I think, or yesterday, um, yeah. James, he was arguing with a feminist saying, he wasn't even just talking about trans women, he's saying, I don't understand why you're so paranoid about your safety. He said, what is it you're worried about? If I'm in the next cubicle and there's a, wait for this, a curtain between me and you and I'm getting <laughs> changed and you're getting changed, what is it you're worried about? I thought, what? Well, I mean, what? I mean, the 99% of women hearing that would think, are you insane? Uh, yeah. What woman is wanting yeah. to change with just a curtain between her and some bloke next door?
And also, of course, the, the, the block is a rapist. He doesn't want to stay under the curtain. Exactly. It will come out. <laughs> exactly. He's not going to wear a badge saying, hello, I'm a rapist. I mean, exactly. ludicrous. Ludicrous. I mean, that's the thing. This gender identity debate is just, it's based on this sort of utopian naivety. Yes. Where we're supposed to deny what we know is human yes. behavior since the year dot. Exactly. I mean... Yeah, they want to erase women's rights, what we achieved in the past. Well, look at women's sport. I mean, we, we always said there were two areas where the... It, it turned out to be three, but there were two areas where the whole gender identity argument would collapse once the public started listening. <coughs> One of them was children, because... Yeah. And that is already... Our campaigns on puberty blockers and everybody else has been campaigning about puberty blockers that really gets parents because every every i mean what who stops a child going through a puberty let's be clear here puberty blockers block the brain development as well, as well. of course they do yes and they don't understand these people yeah so your child will remain dumb Sorry to say that, yeah. because it won't become a, yeah. an adult with an adult well, functioning it's, it's, it's brain. It's even more specific because, I mean, I did a, a big development project that show didn't get made and it was about the adolescent brain. And it's only, I mean, around 20, 30 years ago, people just thought the brain changed, just like the body changed, sort of like on a curve, like, and so if you blocked you were, you're right, you know, you, you're not getting the sort of growth and development that you would want from childhood to adulthood. But it's, um, adolescence is a much more extreme process in the brain. Because, and, and I think uh, oh, Lawrence Steinberg is the expert in, in America who said it is the most radical transformation of the brain in your entire lifetime. And what happens is, the brain strips away lots of the sort of white myelin, the sort of layers that sort of protect the brain, and it rewires everything. So, and that's why adolescents are so strange. They need to sleep all the time. They never get up. They're sort of really sort of introverted, and they sort of they they're really worried about what other people think because their behaviour is being rewired in the brain. But it has to be rewired so that they can come out the other end, and so. You know, you get these kids who take puberty blockers and they don't go through the... I mean, this, of course, is why it attracts them because, and why it's promoted to them because puberty is a nightmare for everybody. Yeah. Everyone's really self-conscious. Everyone you know, cares what everybody else thinks about them. Everyone's a bit on edge and everyone's arguing. And it's, it's terrible what they're doing to these children. It's well, terrible. What they're saying is you don't have to go through this. When, of course, they should be saying, look... It was a nightmare for everybody. Trust me, at the end of the yeah, process, yeah. it's going to be great. Exactly. You will be fine. <laughs> of course, because everybody, every living human being that got to the age of 20 has gone through it. I think we should save our children and make illegal puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones for yep. anyone under 18. Anyone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are a few exceptions where puberty blockers were... I mean, they were obviously originally cancer drugs, but the um, but then they were taken up for kids who were going through very early puberty. So there's a, a tiny number of kids. Of course, eight or I'm nine talking about sure. uh, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, gender dysphoria. No, if absolutely. it's for yeah, another yeah, 
uh, life-saving situation, but for gender dysphoria, yeah, it, yeah. it makes more harm than good. Absolutely. Oh, well, I mean, it does, it does no good for, for, for kids going through. You, kids, it's, it's a, we argue that puberty is a birthright of children. They, you know, they, they, it's, it's, like you, it's like locking a child in the house and never letting them out. Yeah. You know I mean, they're, they're being locked in a state that isn't the natural state that their body and their mind wants to be. And if they want to achieve anything in life, they, or the full potential of their life, they need to be able to go through puberty. But the problem is money, again, because we all know that the best client is a child who will need your drugs for the rest of his life. It's a yes. huge client. It's yeah. the best client in the world. That's yeah. why they're making a lot of marketing and PR. And uh, they're using celebrities as well, right? It's on social but the media. Thing is, the, the, the troubling thing is that the pharmaceutical companies don't even need to do any work. I mean, they do give the drugs to some of the trials and some of the gender identity clinics. So they're subsidizing it. And of course, they want to make the money. But it's not, I mean, there are really big, profitable drugs. And puberty blockers are not that profitable because they're an old drug that's been around for ages. And, and, and so they're relatively cheap. Um, but the wonderful thing, for, if you're a pharmaceutical company, is you don't have to promote them. You have this giant lobby, the LGBTQ lobby, doing all the promotion for you, saying that this crappy old drug um, will change people's lives and will make them feel wonderful and all that stuff. And, and the kids and their parents and everybody and the TV shows that promote them are all doing free publicity for these pharmaceutical companies. You're right. It's free. But at the beginning, at the origins, these companies, they gave money. They gave money for to the Democratic Party, for example, yeah. in, uh, in the US. Yeah. And of course, to the clinics and the clinics themselves, they do some publicity. Sure, sure. It's a chain. It's yeah. a reaction. And, and then, yeah. of course, young people, vulnerable young people, yeah. because we have to say that they target vulnerable young people, not the yeah. ones who have no problems, the ones who have problems. And they, they just get them as their celebrity uh, social uh, representatives. Uh, and yeah. they actually do the work for free, you're right. Yeah. Uh, but it's very complex, uh, problematic, yeah. and uh, it would be very naive to think that there is no money interest around. No, no, there's definitely money yeah. interest. I'm only, I suppose, a little... I suppose it's like any social movement. If you want to oppose it, you need to get inside the head of, of the people who are part of the movement and what is it they want and what motivates them. And unfortunately, through social media, there are now thousands and thousands of these kids or young people who are absolutely convinced about the whole trans healthcare path. And I, I, I suspect that, yes, it was promoted by the pharmaceutical companies. Why would they not? I mean, they would do anything. Uh, look at the Sackler family and what they did with OxyContin. So, yes, we're dealing with an industry that's cutthroat and ruthless and would have promoted it. I don't even think they realized that it would take on this life of its own where literally thousands and thousands of young people in America are, you know, wanting to take these drugs and wanting to get the surgery. It's really spiral because it's a mass delusion. And so it has its own rhythm and its own 
dynamic, which is similar. Not so. I mean, yes, the, of course, the commercial bit's in there, and that's part of the dynamic, but it's similar to other sorts of mass delusions in the past, which build and build and build until suddenly... See, I think what will happen is that the next generation... Everyone's worried about the next generation coming up, and, and, of course, they're getting taught nonsense at school. But I think every generation looks at adolescence. You know, if you're 8 or 9 or 10, you look at the adolescence of 12, 13, 14, 15, and 20, and all the rest of it, and they normally think, God, those kids are really weird. So the next generation corrects, and I, I think the next generation is going to be much more traditional and conservative. They're going to come up and think, I don't want to be wearing blue hair and go around chopping my breasts off. That's insane. That's my hope, I think. I mean, it must happen yeah. because biological sex is absolutely fundamental. It's how we got here after millions of years, and it drives so much of our behaviour. So the idea that it can really disappear... Is I have no doubt, honestly, yeah. because reality always hits you hard. Yes. <laughs> yep. It happens it just, in any case in your yeah. life, unfortunately. Yeah. It's the truth. So you have to get along with reality. You can't deny reality. Mm. You have to accept reality, try to make the best change, uh, try to become the best person you can, but you yeah. have to accept reality. Yep. Delusional people usually are depressed people, are people with pro mental health problems, uh, and yep. they have to find help, real yep. help, in order to fix this delusion yep. and accept reality. Yep. That's and the only way not, forward. And they're not, I think eventually, as I say, they don't look happy. That's the thing. That, of course. You know, you, you look at, say, a perfect example is the TV series which helped promote a lot of this jazz about the, about the little boy. Oh, in, poor in jazz. It looks so <coughs> Jazz depressed. Jennings. I, I feel so sorry. Now, I, first I, it was all... Yeah, it was, first all the, the major newscasters went and they, they spoke this brave girl, boy, um, and, you know, and we watched her, him, get the operations and everything was celebration and it was wonderful and liberation. Now this this kid is a walking disaster. Huge, you know, mental health issues, falling apart. And I think that's the natural cycle. And, and in a way, Jazz Jennings, the, the, the series and the character is emblematic of what's going to happen to this movement as more and more of these kids fall apart in their 20s and 30s, they detransition or whatever. And I think it will put a lot of the younger generation off that's following them. Which is the most shocking thing that you saw about this ideology during your researches <sighs> that you can talk about, of yeah. course? Well, I think, I mean, I don't, I, we don't talk much at the moment about mermaids, but. The influence of mermaids is probably. Can we say what is mermaids for the oh, public yeah, sure. who doesn't so know? So mermaids that. was an organisation set up, I think, in 1997, and it was a group of parents that in the UK. In the UK, yeah. and they believed that their children were trans children, and they they then became a hugely successful and influential organisation, and then a very wealthy organisation, which had a really malign influence on the NHS on the gender identity clinics and on the culture generally because they promoted this idea that there were huge numbers of children who were really trans. Um, but if you look back to 97 when this tiny organisation was, was set up, they said openly that it was very hard to detect 
um, transgenderism in a child. They said it was very hard because it overlapped with lots of other behaviours. Some of the, they said the vast majority of kids who seem to be trans are probably gay. They said this in '97, and then somehow over the next decade they forgot about all the founding principles, and they began to promote because and that's where the money comes in. If you're a new charity and you want to be the, the, the big fashionable charity in town, you need to have a big problem to solve, you know, like climate change or whatever. You know, and, 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 and so mermaids began to argue that there were thousands of children up and down the country who were really trans and they had a hidden gender identity and they needed to have puberty blockers. And they began to promote this narrative, which then took hold. And then the big, bra the, the, you know, the, the most shocking thing I think about the money and gender identity isn't really the pharmaceutical companies, it's the brands. So mermaids, mermaids gave, uh, um, sorry, mermaids was given a million pounds by Starbucks. Unbelievable. And, and if you look at all the other big, the Trevor Project, which was a, another good organisation set up to try to stop teenage gays committing suicide, it's a tiny, tiny number of gay teenagers that commit suicide, absolutely minimal. However, still a good job to do. It then morphed into this giant organisation that produces papers that argue, you know, thousands of teenagers are, are at risk of, of suicide. They have huge celebrity endorsement. They produce, they promote gender identity as much as Mermaids does in the UK. The Trevor Project does it in America. And the brands are queuing up to give them vast sums of money. It drives me mad what you're saying, because no one, almost no brand, gives money to women's rights organizations. Yes. And you know yes. that. Yes. It's crazy. Yeah. Starbucks never gives uh, one no, million pounds. No, <laughs> no, no, never. I'm sure, no. And how many women's rights organizations there are? And we know that women are 51% of the population, yeah. and we are still facing incredible yeah. amount of abuse, violence, femicides, yeah. family sides. We are victims of sexual harassment, uh, rape. Yeah. Uh, we have to defend ourselves even from some uh, policemen or you yes. know rapists. So I'm like, there is no peace for women, honestly, seriously. Yeah. And we have no money to face this. Yeah. But they threw all this money yep. into these organizations without even checking if they're doing good or bad no. to these children. No, because they want to virtue signal. They, I mean, we've got a culture where people applaud, you know, a slogan. And so, yeah. you know, trans woman or woman. Yeah. Oh, you know, and you can HSBC, Barclays, all the big banks have signed up to this. The mayor of London, all gender identities are valid, trans woman or woman, etc. Et and it just, this slogan is repeated. Because they're men, of course. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they get all this money. Well, some women, because if they were women, <laughs> they wouldn't receive it. Some women say it too. That, that I do not understand. I mean, Nancy Kelly, yeah. you know, the big ex-gay organization Stonewall, which was the big famous gay organization which then became yeah. LGBTQ, it's run by a woman, Nancy Kelly. There's a big lesbian magazine run by a lesbian woman yeah. and they both support this nonsense. And then you look in Parliament, there are a number of really prominent women. Theresa May, a conservative woman, yes. was the woman who wanted to bring in the gender recognition 
reform in the UK. Unfortunately. And she still argues that it would have been the right thing to do. Unfortunately, some women can be the worst enemies of their own uh, biological sex. I'll let you and we say know that. that. I'll let you say that. Yeah, no, it's true. We <laughs> yeah. know that. Uh, if you think about the suffragettes, you know, they yes. were heroes. We have to thank them every day when we mm. wake up, particularly here in the UK. Yeah. But at the time, there were many women against yes. them. Yep. At the time, there yep. were many women saying, we don't need the right yep. to vote. Yeah. Yeah. Victoria, I think, thought that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. She thought it was a ridiculous idea that women would have the vote. And people but, thought, yeah, but you're the queen. There's <laughs> yeah. not, not some contradiction here. Well, now, thankfully, yeah. everyone thinks that it's yeah. normal yeah. for women to vote. So I hope in 100 years, we will think about uh, yeah. the fact that it's normal that uh, yeah. you are born male or female. Well, let's hope it's not 100 years. Let's hope it's just of ten, 10 years. Well, I'll <laughs> be happy if, if in a decade we'll look back and think, what was all that nonsense about? Yeah. You know, it's, um, but it, it may take longer. You never know. Although things are happening quickly, aren't they? Over here, they're happening really quickly. Nicola Sturgeon, the great trans champion, is gone. She's history. Well, she was uh, she was an enemy of women, and uh, women. As J.K. Rowling that. said, "Yep, I keep saying we are unbelievably lucky in the UK. You know, the uh, we have the the number one most famous scientist, Richard Dawkins, who says, don't give me this nonsense. Biology is biology.'" Where are the scientists in America willing to say that? Exactly, where You've are they? The they must be. They must yeah, be. They're well, hiding somewhere. They're hiding. They're scared. Richard mm. Dawkins has never been scared of anybody. And, and J.K. Rowling, our most famous writer, she's saying, mm. you know, women's rights come first. You look at um, Kathleen Stalk, the philosopher. And, and then you look at our journalists. I mean, what a bunch of brilliant journalists yes. that have been willing to take the flack. You but know, Janice is, Turner, yeah. Suzanne Moore, Piers Morgan had Richard, um, yeah. uh, Richard Dawkins on recently. I mean, you've got a, more than a handful and they're growing. The number of journalists who've really done what journalism is supposed to be about, challenging of the course. powerful. And also we have to guarantee free speech. We have to yeah. guarantee people to talk. We have to guarantee particularly yeah. gay people to talk, lesbians to talk yeah. and women to talk. Yeah. It's fundamental. Yeah. And we have it, and, you know, I think, you know, it's amazing. We have Free Speech Union, an organization set up to dedicated to protect free speech. You look in America, you get the ACLU, which was supposed to be something like that. And it's promoting gender identity. It's silencing and, you know, claiming that people who who dispute gender identity are somehow bigots. So it's, a, it's such an amazing sort of constellation in Britain <coughs> of some politicians, really good, writers, scientists, and journalists. I, I mean, absolutely, go on. it's a healthy democracy. Yeah. And also, I hope that people will uh, become more knowledgeable about yeah. uh, what it is, this ideology, and will admit they were wrong. Because there's yeah. nothing wrong in saying, "Listen, I changed my mind. Yes. I now yeah. know much yeah. more than before. Yeah. Before I didn't know anything. I just wanted to be kind, and mm. that's understandable." Yeah. We all want to be kind, actually, you know, no one wants to offend anyone. No. I mean, if an adult person <coughs> wants to change gender, believes in gender, fine. Yeah. If you're not harming anyone, if you're not taking the uh, prizes and the money of women, yes. uh, sports, women, you know, fine. We're only protesting because they want to take away our rights. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I made a whole show with April Ashley, who was the first, the first uh, trans woman 
to, uh, to, to hit the headlines in this country. So April went in 1962, I think it was, to uh, Morocco to get the SNP, um, to get, uh, you know, create a vagina and all that sort of stuff. Became a model uh, and became an enormous icon. April was fantastic. I used April's pronouns. I, would, I wouldn't call April she. Mm. So not even now. I, I'd still call April she. Yeah. If you want to do that, it's fine. But yeah. they shouldn't impose that to you. Well, April never that's, would have. April would never have said That's the point. You must use my... Yeah. Although April was six foot three, so probably could tell you to use some pronouns. <laughs> she <laughs> could I, have been convinced. convinced <laughs> April was amazing. April was a fantastic. And that's the thing. It's, it's such a tragedy that in this tribal argument it can inevitably because women are trying to defend their rights and gay people are trying to defend their rights it can seem like somehow we, we don't like trans people but that's rubbish you know if Absolutely. somebody wants to change their body and it, look April Ashley felt happier doing what she he did with her body great I don't care you know I, I wouldn't have it paid on the NHS yeah. uh, and, and I wouldn't have it promoted to kids as some you know life-changing thing but what people do with their bodies, they do with their bodies. And, and, exactly, you know, but adults, we, you know. we shouldn't force them I and mean, we shouldn't brainwash children no, into no. believing in that. That's the danger. Yeah. Because you will have many more detransitioners in the future course, if yes. you are completely uh, yeah. brainwashing normal children who yeah. wouldn't become trans without your propaganda. Yeah. So that's why we have to be careful what, Very careful. what they're doing in the schools. Somebody compared mm. it to... They said, if you had a culture that taught and encouraged people to have limbs chopped off, and then you told children it was liberating to have your limbs chopped off, and it was brave and it was radical. They might believe you. Well, they would. You know, yeah. I, I got into the whole debate about gender identity in 2000, so that's 23 years ago, because I made a show for the BBC about people who wanted to have their limbs chopped off apotemnophiles, apotemnophiles. Um, and these are people who are born, they say, they say they're born mm. with a desire to have their leg or terrible, arm Malcolm. chopped off. And, but the thing is, the science behind it, the people who came up with all the science are exactly the same people who came up with the science for gender identity. Um, John Money, for example, he, he, he was the first person to write a paper about these people. And of course, he was the first person to really popularize the idea of gender identity. And he said they were very similar conditions. But we've never accepted that it's normal to chop your limbs off. Of course, because it's but, not. But we've accepted that it's normal to... to our culture yeah. has decided it's the normal to culture. chop your genitals My off. culture dad didn't. <laughs> a lot of other cultures no. didn't. <laughs> no. Let's be clear. We can call it the woke culture. Yep. Well, Michael, we really agree on many, many things. I think about everything almost. <laughs> we are logical people and we're compassionate people. We're really, truly uh, scared for what can happen. Definitely, I'm sure you are uh, empathizing, particularly with gay men. And, uh, and lesbians, because you don't want them to be forced to, uh, to become heterosexual, because homosexuality yeah. will yes. stop existing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, and definitely I'm very concerned about children's rights and uh, women's rights. And I know that LGB Alliance is doing a lot. So tell us a little bit, what is the new adventure of LGB Alliance? What are you going to do in the future? We, we, I mean, we hope to grow, we hope to fundraise so that we can keep, you know, arguing against 
sort of gender ideology. Uh, but we, we, you know, but that's not what we're only doing. We're trying to recreate some of the services for gay people that sort of died a death. You know, there are much fewer social places to meet. Um, lockdown has killed off a lot of bars, and the bars were already sort of dying out, both lesbian bars and gay bars. The gay community is getting older, or the openly gay community is getting older, so there are a lot of services that will be required, because still at that older age, if you're 60, 70, 80 or whatever, and you have to go into you know old person's home or care or whatever, then, then it's useful to have an organisation like ours just checking that everything you know is, is as tolerant and, and inclusive, those, those words, as it should be. But I also think, you know, for me, part of the development of LGB Alliance is to, I mean, I, th I think we've, we were set up for lots of reasons, but one of the reasons was that we thought inevitably there will be a backlash against this bullying LGBTQ lot, and society will, will eventually say, I've had enough, you know, you can't interfere with kids and try and screw their minds up, and, and you, you can't bully women. And so I, 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 we fear, we continue to fear that there, there will be a backlash. So it's important for us to sort of show an alternative model, if you like, of you can have a confident, openly gay organization that defends gay rights, that, that actually is like an adult organization, that, that likes the society we live in, wants to help other people, uh, wants to play its part, rather than, you know, after 50 years of fighting for gay rights, you, these LGBTQ groups still feel like adolescents, you know, complaining, oh, give us rights, give us rights. And I think that's not the way to endear yourself to the rest of society. I think the, the gay community has to step up and say, right, we're going to play our parts. We're now full citizens. We have equal rights. How can we play our role in making Britain better or America better or wherever? Absolutely. So good luck to LGB Alliance. <laughs> Thank you. I hope that more people will start supporting you. And I would definitely keep supporting LGB oh, Alliance and everything you're doing. And donate anybody if they want to. Exactly. <laughs> oh. We are posting the link. Oh, good. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, for Michael. Well, thanks. It was a lovely to have you here. Wonderful conversation. Thank yeah. you. I learned a lot. And I hope also our public learned a lot. Oh, I hope so. Thank you. Thank you everyone for being here with us today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and I hope you will not be silenced because we have to be brave. We have to talk about these issues, even if they look like they're toxic issues. It's very important to maintain free speech. So be bold, talk about that and definitely share this episode with your friends on all your social media and stay tuned for many other incredible game changers. Thank you.